Philip asked me to teach today on two items. I'm taking a shortcut. We're doing one. Uh, what is this feast of dedication about? And the title of this study will be the Feast of Dedication, Past, Present, and Future. And that's what we're just going to talk about. And I promise you, this will probably be the fastest, shortest drash we've had here. So this is going to be a very good one, and it's going to be long enough for you to get the meat. But one thing I want you to know, we kind of put a lot of weight on the teaching of this time in our culture. This is just what we do. Okay, the singing was the warm-up, and the preacher's the main act. Wrong. Wrong. In the temple, what did they do? They did the liturgy that we were doing. They sang to the Lord. Did they have PowerPoint projectors? No. It was all up here and in here. So we're going to have to change our mindset a little bit. You guys are the main act. This is just the last part, okay? So the main reason of coming here is not to hear the pastor, the preacher. The main reason for being here is to praise the Lord. Is that right? Can anyone say, yay, God? Yay, God! Amen. All right. Today... I wanted to read from Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 7. Arise, shine, Jerusalem, for your light has come. The glory of Adonai has risen over you. For though darkness covers the earth and thick darkness the peoples, on you, Adonai, will rise over you, will be seen his glory Nations will go toward your light and kings toward your shining splendor. Raise your eyes and look around. They are all assembling and coming to you. Your sons are coming from far off, your daughters being carried on their nurses' hips. Then you will see and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with delight, for the riches of the seas will be brought to you. The wealth of nations will come to you. Caravans of camels will cover your land. Young camels from Midian and Ipha, all of them coming from Shiva, bringing gold and frankincense and proclaiming the praises of Adonai. All the flocks of Kedar will be gathered for you. The rams of Naviot will be at your service. They will come up and be received on my altar as I glorify my glorious house. May the Lord add to that word. The last word, two words, glorious house. What's that mean? What's that referring to? What's God's address? Where? Where? No. In this time, where was God's address? The temple. The Holy of Holies. Now, as Jonathan mentioned, the Feast of Dedication, that's what we're celebrating today. 
And that's what this is important. That's why this Feast of Dedication is important. What's one symbol in this room that you see that is a representation of the temple? Where? There. Oh, and there, right? Oh, is that representing the temple? Yeah. Wait a minute. That's the Hanukkah, right? Oh. All right. Seven, eight, well, nine, but yeah. So, anytime we celebrate Hanukkah, we're referring to this. Anytime over the ages we're celebrating Hanukkah, we're celebrating this. I never got it. I'm sorry. I'm slow. The numbers don't match, do they? That's eight because of the eight days of dedication that it took to make the oil to redo the dedication, to redo the, all of the things required for the dedication. And then they rededicated the whole house, the temple of God, to the Lord. Now, Hello, boys. Yeah, let's get a new microphone. Thank you for letting me know. Oh, my people. So, the temple in Jerusalem is the whole focus of Hanukkah and that Feast of Dedication. And actually, this model of this temple is the actual emblem, the official emblem of the state of Israel. It's not, the flag has the Star of David, but that was about 600 AD. This emblem is the official emblem it's much, well, of course the temple's much older. Now Solomon, he had put, it said, Solomon had about 10 of those around the outer courts, 10 menorahs around the outer courts, but the one menorah was inside, next to the Holy of Holies. It was not really seen from afar, but that's what it represented. There was only one that was made, and that's where it was lit and kept. So we are lucky enough to have a representation of it. But when we see the temple rebuilt, oops, I gave it away. So, spoiler alert. So, it is the temple. It's the symbol of the holy temple. And it was the place for all the Jews to assemble together now. We don't really have that in the United States, do we? Do we have one place America's go-to 
I'll take a nomination. Where's one place that people would like to go to when it's not in disrepute? Does anyone want to go to Washington, D.C.? No. no, you live there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you made the nation your God, then that would really be the place to go. But the nation is not our God, is it? No. But that is the focus of our country. That is where the focus of all the activity that affects our laws and the focus of all the media is on D.C., right? Well, let's kind of take this around in a different light. Let's do a comparison. Let's pretend, and we'll, we'll have a little video here in just a minute. Let's pretend or think about the possibility that if the capital fell to some terrible, ungodly power that desecrated, I mean, they took down all the statues of all of our famous men, they took down the flag, they took down all of that. I mean, they made it a honky-tonk and uh, more of a, you know, tarot cards and all kinds of other crazy things that would go on. That's not what it's for. I mean, they made the, let's pretend they made the House of Representatives a dance hall and the other side, the Senate, they turned that into a brothel. Whoa, that would be terrible. That wouldn't be what it was for. And let's think about it. What would happen if an army of people went and fought and took it over and they got it back? What would they do? What would they do to the capital? What would they do? Got to get some people in here to clean it. Got to fix it. Take all the spray paint. Take down all the signs and all the move out the bar get it all rid of all that and then they'd have to have it reassembled to do what it's supposed to do right okay so that would be then we'd have a rededication of that for its purpose now how many of you have seen some of the models and representations of the temple and some drawings of the temple I hope all of you have seen that at some point in time. It's hard. It's kind of like if I was going to draw a battleship, I could draw a battleship, but it would just be a simple little drawing. Maybe I tried to do it the best I could. It wouldn't be at all like a real battleship, would it? Well, the drawings we have of the temple don't really, I mean, they're the proper proportions perhaps, but as far as the glory the beauty and the, the awesome presence of that temple, we can't comprehend in our day. We are just going from the words and the descriptions. Now, I don't know if you heard, but in the liturgy that we just did, I counted at least three references to the temple. Three. Did you know that? You already spoke about the temple in the liturgy this morning. And guess what? Oh, spoiler alert. When the third temple 
is built, you will hear and be able to sing some of that liturgy. It gives me goosebumps thinking about that. Isn't that a perspective that I never thought of? Well, I have a short video that it's kind of like one of those two things. Either when the teacher goes away, they uh, leave a video for the sub to fill in and we get a watch together. Or no, really, it wasn't a sign. It was not written down. When I study and get ready for something, I'll go check all kinds of sources. And I did find this one short, straightforward explanation in a different format of what does New Testament and Hanukkah go together about. And this man uh, from One for Israel did an excellent job of this. So I'm going to let Kim get that ready to go. How are you, Kim? Give me a thumbs up when we're ready, and I'll turn off the light. But this is a very short video. It's about six minutes long. It's shot in Israel. And there's one thing I want you to notice at the end of the video. One little thing that's at the end of the video that he's not addressed, but it's something that you'll see. And Kim, are we ready? Never mind. Jewish people in Israel and around the world are celebrating the Feast of Hanukkah or dedication these days. But did you know that the earliest written record of Hanukkah is actually found in the New Testament? In John 10, 22, we have the setting of what's taking place. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter and Yeshua was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The fact that Yeshua made the trip to Jerusalem for this festival tells us a ton. So before we go further, what are we actually celebrating in this winter feast of dedication? Around 200 BCE, Judea was being afflicted by the Greek rulers who were forbidding Torah study and worship at the temple. The Greek rulers became more and more forceful to Hellenize the Jewish people. And this persecution culminates with the rise of the evil king Antiochus Epiphanes, who desecrates the temple, enters the Holy of Holies, and makes the possession of the Torah a capital offense, burning every scroll he could find. He decreed the Jews were only to worship the Greek idols. But the Maccabees, a family of priests from Modi'in, stir up a revolt, refusing to worship the Greek idol. They eventually take Jerusalem back and begin the process of clearing out the pagan altars and reopening the Temple of God. As they finish up, their goal was to immediately resume sacrifice and temple worship. But as they go to Lachnoch, Hanukkah, or dedicate the temple, they find there's only oil for one day of the special ceremonial menorah oil. It would take eight days to make the new special lamp oil. And according to tradition, with only one day supply, they light the menorah in faith. And God sustains the flame for eight days until the new oil is made. 
This is the miracle of Hanukkah. So going back to the Gospel of John, you can imagine in Yeshua's day, knowing the trials our people were facing under the Roman rule, the Judeans circled Yeshua in the temple, Yeshua, this great miracle worker from the Galilee. If there was a perfect day to start the revolt against the Roman oppression, this was Hanukkah, this day. So unable to contain themselves anymore, they burst out. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. They were ready to take arms, take the country back. Judah Maccabee didn't perform these great miracles or signs. I'm sure the expectations were higher for this one, who could feel the multitudes in the wilderness, who could heal the sick soldiers. Yeshua was the perfect Messiah to drive the Romans out. Their thoughts were like ours, continually on the kingdoms of this world, but deaf to the kingdom of God. Yeshua answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Yeshua turned the focus back again to our eternal state. His coming at this time was to defeat an enemy much more oppressive than the slavery of Rome, more wicked than Antiochus of Greece. His aim was defeating the bondage of sin, to give us not just a good life here on this earth, but eternal life, restoring our relationship with God. The trials we face today may fill us with worry about our freedoms being eroded by crooked leaders and a world in chaos. But while Rome could take your land, money and freedom, no one can snatch you out of your father's hand. Rome faded away, just like every kingdom of this world. But the kingdom of God is advancing today. The gospel has made its way to every nation and revival had circled the globe and came back to Israel again. Now today in Israel, we are seeing awakening amongst the Jewish people. This happens today before our very eyes. So as we look to this Feast of Dedication, can we look at ourselves, look at our hearts and ask Yeshua to cleanse us from any idols in our hearts? and that we would be dedicated to our King with our eyes set on the kingdom of heaven. Let's remember our King. He is coming back. He returns to this earth as the conquering King to save Israel and defeat the armies of darkness. Unlike the temporary victory of the Maccabees, Yeshua will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, that will never ever end. And so we say Maranatha, Come Yeshua, but today come and rule and reign in our hearts.
Now, wasn't that better than me trying to explain all that? I, 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 I hate to admit, but anytime I find someone who can say what I wanted to say better, faster, more clearly, I buy it. And I know it's safe. It's, safe. it's good material. One thing I do know or want to share with you that one for Israel is the first messianic teaching unit that teaches in Hebrew to the Hebrews. It teaches all their classes to the Hebrews and to the Palestinians to build bodies of Messiah in Jerusalem, in Israel, in the region. So if you want to find out more about that, that's there. So the menorah from that second temple is gone, but did you see the golden menorah in that video at the end? Most times you go to a historical place and they have a model of something or this is what it looked like and it's more of a symbol of what it was in the past. Now this is actually going to be used, that is the menorah that is going to be used in the third temple. It was built by the Temple Institute. Has anyone ever heard of the Temple Institute? Many of you, very good. The Temple Institute, for those of you who may not know, they have been studying and planning and research and drawing and building the actual furniture and implements that will be used in the Third Temple. All the plans for that have been written. Even the people who are going to serve as priests in the Temple are being trained to do sacrifices. All of this is happening now. What? It's happening now. Now, it gives me goosebumps. Now, there's a whole museum filled with these things in Jerusalem, and there will be a dedication service. Unlike anything we've ever seen. Has anyone ever watched the... uh, well, the video series, The Crown, or the movies and stories of, of the Queen and King of England, and all the ceremonies that go along with that, or you may have seen things that happen in, say, uh, hmm, it's not mine, okay. Uh, so, the beauty of the palace, the beauty of those things, are just astounding. I mean, gold leaf and figurines and bric-brac and all kinds of beautiful, beautiful things in this palace. Well, that will pale. That will pale to what we see when the new temple is built, the third temple is built. So wouldn't that put Hanukkah in a different light on the calendar. That would really put Hanukkah on the calendar in a much different way. There would be a big dedication. Unlike the dedications, uh, the coronations of the kings, the weddings, the funerals, all of those things that happen on man's level of celebration and dedication, it's very, very much going to be God's story, God's experience. God's proclamation 
that he is king, that he is Lord. Now, in an interesting inverse way, I'd like to read the scale of this story. It's from Luke chapter 2. If you want to follow along, let's read from 19, verse 19. Miriam treasured all these things and kept mulling them over in her heart. Meanwhile, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard, seen and heard. It had just been as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time for his Brit Malah, his circumcision, he was given the name Yeshua, which is what the angel had called him before his conception. When the time came for their purification, according to the Torah of Moshe, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to Adonai. And as, as it is written in the Torah of Adonai, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to Adonai and also to offer a sacrifice of a pair of doves or two pigeons as required by the Torah of Adonai. There was in Jerusalem a man named Shimeon. This man was a Zadok. He was a devout, oh, he was devout. He waited eagerly for God to comfort Israel. And the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of God, was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Ruach HaKodesh that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah of Adonai. Prompted by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Yeshua to do for him what the Torah required, Shimeon took him in his arms, made a blessing, a brikah, to God, and said, Now, Adonai, according to your word, your servant is at peace as you let him go. For I have seen with my own eyes your Yeshua, your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light that will bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Yeshua's father and mother were marveling at the things Shimeon was saying about him. Shimeon blessed them and said to the child's mother, Miriam, this child will cause many in Israel to fall and to rise. He will become a sign whom people will speak against. Moreover, a sword will pierce your own heart too. All this will happen in order to reveal many people's inmost thoughts. I was blessed enough to find a beautiful painting of Shimeon's moment. And I'm going to let Kim try to get this on the screen. Here we go. Well, tell you what, if you want to come up and see it later on, come on up and see it later on. But this is just a representation of what he was doing. Now, artists are beautiful at what they do. Their craft is just gorgeous. And I'm really sorry I can't read the handwriting of the artist. I believe it's Ganini or Ganin. And if you see the star 
or the representation of a star that's on Yeshua in the middle. Now he's proclaiming those words that I just read to you. And I wish you could see it very clearly. But did you see what? Tell them what we discovered. What? You mean a representation of the world? Can you see any of those things in there? Look at the background. Do you see the next to Yeshua's head the the edge of Africa? If you look over here, what do you see? Outline of South America, North America, Europe. And I'm sorry, when they mounted this, I think they may have not got Israel over here. But all of that, who did they say he was going to be? Yeshua, the Savior, the salvation of the world. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? This will be here. The one thing that's challenging, if you've ever tried to give a speech or prepare to do a speech, well, it took me about 10 pages into my first write to see, oh, this is not the way to go. No, 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 no. Save it for another day. And so this is why it's the shortest trash in Remnant's history. So... But I do want you to see the temple is what, and this happened at the temple, right? This was in the temple courts. And Yeshua was in the temple as his ministry in Jerusalem happened. The temple was still there all the time. Now, we will see the temple maybe in our lifetime. Maybe in 2023. Has anyone ever heard that? That possibility? Nod your head, raise your hand. Okay. So it's not brand new news. It could happen. It may happen. It will happen. And it will shift the whole perspective of everybody to see it. Maybe we won't get to go there, but we will see it. Now there was something that I read this morning that was just awe-dropping. Mine, mine, it just illustrated what I wanted to say also. If you wouldn't mind, how many of you, I'll, I'll find it, how many of you uh, were alive and cognizant in 1968? I need, need to see some hands. Okay, 1968. What happened in 68 uh, that changed the perspective? Does anyone remember anything that changed the perspective in 1968? Changed the world's perspective? 67 was the year of Jubilee. But was there something in 1968 that had never been seen before and then was presented? Let me read this to you. 
because I was there. I mean, I was a kid, but it was on Christmas Eve in 1968, the Apollo 8 astronauts, Frank Borman, Jim Lovell, and Bill Anders, became the first humans to enter lunar orbit. As they circled the moon 10 times, they shared images of the moon and the earth. Now, how many times had we seen the moon and the earth together? That was the first time it had been presented. Now, we take it for granted, just, yeah, 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 there's the moon, there's the earth. We've had satellites go to all kinds of places, right? But that was a perspective shift. Now that we see it, we can maybe see it happening. We can maybe see it happening. Well, here's the more interesting part. As they circled the moon 10 times, they shared images of the moon and the earth. During a live broadcast, they took turns reading from Genesis 1. Wow. At the 40th anniversary celebration, Borman said, we were told that on Christmas Eve, we would have the largest audience that had ever listened to a human voice. And the only instructions that we got from NASA was to do something appropriate. The Bible verses spoke about, spoken by the Apollo 8 astronauts still plant seeds of truth into the listening hearts of people who hear the historical recording. There's much, much more. But this is, this is a perspective shift. I mean, those of you who were there, I mean, did you see that part? Did you watch that? I mean, the world almost stopped. And everyone was at a TV. I mean, if you watch the recreations of those, I mean, people are standing outside the TV stores, and it's on all the TVs, and people are watching what's going on. It's just something that was there. And out of that, he reads Genesis 1. Wouldn't that be marvelous if something that grand had all the attention of the world and the scripture followed it? That is coming. That is coming. We will see the temple being built. I don't know when Yeshua's return happens. We don't know. But wouldn't that be marvelous to see that happen? Wouldn't that be a perspective shift that we could just say, glory, hallelujah. Brian told me about this once. No, you read about that before, right? So this is coming. This is coming. This is the hope. And that's why... There are so many more things to be said. There are so many more things to be read. We've had over 3,000 years of the source, the origin of the word. We are the most blessed time of civilization to have this, not just in hard copy, but on any electronic thing you go around the world, as long as there's internet. That's right. If it's already on your phone and it's charged up, you don't need internet. But the idea is, is we have more gold, intellectual gold, spiritual gold. We have gold that has not been seen since the 
days of our Messiah. We have more riches in our hands, and we have to be good stewards of it. We have to follow the Lord. May you recall the Shema every day and every morning and every evening. May you say the Shema. I will love the Lord my God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and all of my strength. May I teach these words to my children, not just my young ones, as I tried, as I tried, as I tried, as I tried. But even my children who are gone and living away, may I continue to teach that diligently to my children. May I talk of it, may I talk about these words as I walk by the way, as I retire and as I arise. May you enjoy the blessings of the Torah. May you enjoy the season of Hanukkah. And may you enjoy walking with Messiah. Happy Hanukkah. Shabbat Shalom.